0: <laughs> For three If minutes. you go around the
1: world talking about creativity and helping people follow the flow and give themselves permission, then when you have an experience that makes you realize like you don't know anything about creativity, that's, I would say humbling, mm-hmm. but it was far more devastating than just humbling of an experience.
2: Hello, and welcome to Created Creative. I'm Ruth. And I'm Dawn. And
0: we have, I would say, our biggest interview. But I feel like everyone's important, but this person has the biggest reach. Yes. He was one of Time's 100 most influential people. He's been on Oprah. So he has a history of being listened to.
2: Yes. And I don't know. I honestly can't think of someone that I would be more excited to talk to than I was to talk to Rob Bell. And so we had set up this interview.
0: (laughs) Yes, which was huge for us to even get him.
2: I know. It was a huge deal. And I was so excited. And I was very much double-checking all the things to make sure everything was going to be just right. And then it did not go so smoothly. We
0: spent nine minutes (laughs) going back and forth. And he had to log in and out twice. And we were in and out. That's not all recorded. But at the end, he mentions it.
2: Yeah. And he was just <laughs> lovely with it. And so I want to tell a story, though, because yes. I was like so excited for this. And then it didn't go terribly smoothly. And I keep thinking about when I was about 18 years old, I had started getting this eye allergy. It was very random, but it would hmm. swell up just huge, my eyelid. And I would look like somebody had punched me in the eye. And I'd never found out why it would happen. And it would happen at such random times, and I would be so mortified. And I would always pray that it wouldn't happen on a really important day.
0: Prom or something, like (laughs) Like, you were 18. Yeah.
2: Yes. And I didn't get married till I was 30, but over that decade, it happened off and on. And of course, on my wedding day, I woke up and my eyelid was like a baseball. It was just huge. Uh. And I was like, here we are. That's- <laughs> there was nothing you could do about it. That was the way it was. And of course, it was a lovely day. Then at the end of that day, I was like, now it's happened. on Like pretty much the biggest day it could happen. The most photographed day. Yeah. And I'm still alive and I'm fine. And you know what? My eyelid never swelled up again after oh, that. What? <laughs> Isn't that the weirdest thing?
0: you think Where- it's something like stress induced. Yeah. And then
2: you're like. I've let go that. of the stress of this happening. In retrospect, I wonder about that. My body is like, I don't need to do that anymore because now it's literally happened on the day that you would dread it to happen the most. Oh, but yeah. how I correlate this to Rob I'm Bell, sorry. like the technical difficulties that I was having, it yeah. pretty much has happened now on the worst time and I'm still alive. And now I can just move forward and... Nobody with a, died. With a cool head. Yep. Nobody died. All is well. And he- He was really great. It was great to talk to him.
0: It was fun because he clearly has been on a lot of media. He speaks really clearly. And also, you could see him thinking in real time and working through it out loud. He's an external processor. Very fun. Yeah.
2: He responded so well to your coaching as well. So I've coached
0: Rob Bell. I should put it on
2: my website. Yeah. Rob Bell's coach. (laughs) <laughs> for three minutes. <laughs> but still. So that was pretty cool. What a wonderful thing that we were able to have him on. And I really look forward to people listening to our conversation yeah. with him.
0: And if, if you're listening and you have a thought of who we should invite, tell us. Because we're willing to invite people with a very large media presence. Exactly.
2: We're up for anything. It's exciting to think about what's possible. We've had yeah. Rafael on our show. so we're, The sky's the limit. Yep, sky's the limit.
0: And we're one degree of separation from Oprah now.
2: I know, from Oprah, from Elizabeth Gilbert. We did quote Elizabeth Gilbert on the
0: second episode ever.
2: I know. So if you're listening, you've got to come on our show because we talk about you all the time. And we'd rather talk to you. Yeah, exactly. Instead of about you. We'll manifest her. Yeah, I'm sure. Oprah too. Absolutely.
0: So (laughs) for now, though, Rob Bell.
2: Yes, Rob Bell. Here it is.
0: Hi, I'm Dawn. Nice to meet you. Thank you for being here.
1: Great to be here.
0: Tell me. I'm going to go right in. I don't know, Ruth, what kind of background you gave him about what we do. He wanted to be surprised. And so I didn't tell him a lot.
1: Yeah, that's the fun of it.
0: We're talking about the intersection of creativity and spirituality.
1: I wasn't aware that they were two different things.
0: Ooh, I love it.
1: So I wasn't aware that there was an intersection.
0: So to you, there's not a Venn diagram of two overlapping circles. It's just one big circle.
1: It's much more beautiful to me than that. To be human is to give expression to the infinite. Like infinite, boundless, borderless, divine, empty spaciousness. This is what love does. It like intentionally limits itself by taking on form. So it could be a backyard or a loaf of bread or an embrace. So the whole thing, even the term art... It's fine because humans, we need language. Labeling things and making distinctions, Venn diagrams can be helpful. But think about the accountant who has figured out how to build a financial structure so this whatever shop can provide a good or a service to the community. That's a creative act. Or you think about the symmetry of when you look at a calendar and the things happening this month. There's like a rhythm. There's like a flow. There's an on and off, a back and forth. Lots of activity, lots of silence and stillness. So even the idea that some people are creative and some people aren't to me is like a really absurd premise.
0: Oh yeah, we're all about everybody is creative in their own way. Absolutely. A person who's
1: landscaping their backyard at some level, that's an act of creation. Or I love it when like moms or dads will be like, well, I'm not that like, creative, I just have these. So you made people.
0: You created a life.
1: Yeah, yeah. So even a sense of spiritual vision for life always will have some sense of discerning what the next step is. There's always something asking us, inviting us. It's like tugging on our sleeve, try this, do this, mm-hmm. go here. Yeah.
2: I think that's really at the heart of what our podcast is about is wanting to talk to people about those things that are life giving to them. And so we were really excited that you could come and be on our podcast. Thank you so much for saying yes. <laughs> My pleasure. And- I've always loved how you talk about creativity and how you've said so many times in your podcast, you just make things and you throw it against the wall and see what sticks. That has influenced me so much in the last decade of my life. And I've loved seeing how you have evolved over time and as you call it, the different Robs over time. (laughs) Yeah. And so I couldn't think of a better person to have on our podcast to talk about creativity than you. So thank you very much. So we have some questions that are specifically about your new book, where'd you park your spaceship? And we also have some questions that are that we ask all of our guests mm-hmm. as well. And so you're gonna get a dose of both of those. Fantastic. <laughs> so on page twenty one, you write, there's a stillness and silence that actually has a sound. You can't hear it at first, but over time it becomes all you can hear. Quiet, it's quiet. a quiet, so quiet, it's loud.
1: Oh, that's what he and that's what he wrote. The main character. Through you
0: and your creativity.
1: <laughs> I love it in interviews when people say, You yes. wrote on page and I always love going, I did it. The character said
2: that. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes. I should clarify, Dean mm. said that. And of course you're talking about the main character. Oh, his character. family. about his home Mm -hmm. and his early life. And then like right after that, you contrast that with talking about how loud and lively and warm, and you can just feel the relief that he feels being drawn into this new group of people and having them call him brother. And so I was curious, and I'd love to hear you talk about as you began writing the book, Did you have a map of where you wanted to go with these characters when you started or did you do you sit down and let them take you? What a great question, because there are elements
1: of both. Like in the morning, I sit down knowing where are we in the book? Oh, okay, we're here today. And then it's forty nine percent. Yeah, I have a sense of what happens. And then fifty one percent utter surprise. And so there are even moments like when Nunye gives the bread his magic speech in the ravine. I was uh-huh. in the ravine for three or four days, like writing that scene, but also in the scene, looking this around. Thing. It's almost like a millisecond delay between experiencing it and typing it. It's very mysterious, and it, the mind gets very calm. There's something about the subconscious, like when Diltet sees heen at one point and he yells heen grew bears you bare knuckle brawler I burst out laughing that's super funny to me and I didn't plan or plot that so this was actually after being a spiritual teacher for a number of years this is a where you craft like a teaching an episode even a book this is what I'm saying this is point A this is point B here's an example here's an illustration here's there's a very rigorous logic to it and this, like all that musculature I built up, this story was like, none of that. It was like, just give that a smoke break. Just, just this is like a completely different, 100% fully present in the moment. What happens next? And if I did have a, this is what I want people to get out of this, then the entire thing shut down. The opposite of teaching. I'm doing no explaining. I'm mm-hmm. caught up in something that's happening. And if later I look back and realize, Oh, yeah, some of the characters do give speeches. Yeah, Rob, it's not a surprise. So that's what was so interesting is none of those muscles, communication muscles that I built up over all those years. It was like a whole new kind of experience of just what happens, who says what, then what happens after that. And I did have some senses of what was coming, but sometimes I would think something was going to happen two scenes from now, and then it ended up Mm -hmm. happening 15 scenes because all these interruptions coming. It was a, yeah, yeah, it was quite, I'm still sorting through what a new creative experience. And if you go around the world talking about creativity and helping people follow the flow and give themselves permission, then when you have an experience that makes you realize like you don't know anything about creativity, that's, it was a, I would say humbling, Mm -hmm. but it was far more devastating than just humbling of an experience. This book to be like, yeah, I actually don't know anything. I don't even, this is like, (laughs) So much more expansive and 3D. And that made me, honestly, there were moments of all my previous work I would have, oh, that feels like a warm up for this. Mm. That was like 2D and this is 5D or something. It was, yeah, it really, it was like, yeah, it was like starting over again. Again.
2: I was curious. A lot of the people who listen to our podcast are ministers, either they have been ministers or they are currently ministers still. Don and I met each other through seminary. And so I was thinking about in your book, there's a lot of distinct themes yeah. about grief as Heen deals with different situations. Oh. And, and so for this yeah. question, I want to take you back to quite a few Robs ago, <laughs> to when you were a pastor and in a church. And I was yeah. just curious, as you were thinking about these situations, do you draw on memories at all from your time in church ministry? Or as you were saying, is it much more just it's happening and you're as you're in the It's funny now. that
1: you asked that question because I wouldn't, if this is happening on a different planet and all the people have made up names and their spaceships and it's even the way the society economically and architecturally is organized, very different from ours. So like when I'm writing it, it feels wildly brand new and wildly like just things coming out of. Thin air. But then my wife, Kristen, read a first draft and was like, Oh, yeah, I know where you got that. Oh, yeah, I know what happened to you that you drew on that. She just sees all of the connections. The life
0: experience coming
1: in. Yeah, yeah. And even his grief, when I first started working as a pastor in my early 20s, I remember doing funerals when I was 25, going to the funeral home. The family are all a wreck and they're at odds. These kids are angry with these relatives. There's all that family tension. And my job was like to sit them all down and plan the service. God, I was young to be like, or go to the mm-hmm. prison or people call you because they're thinking about killing themselves. So yeah, all that's years and years of being with people like you do. And that job, that role, mm-hmm. you get invited right into the most intense, intimate, heated, tragic, joyous. So your question, yeah, all that. And this week here in Ohio. People came and I spent two days with a group of people and people bring their questions and we sit under these trees and they ask their question. Then I ask them questions about their question. We follow it. And there's grief and joy and new ideas and laments and anger and hope and all. Yeah, all of it informs it for sure. Absolutely.
2: Yeah. There's also a lot of bread (laughs) happening in this book. A lot of bread. And in fact, there were several times while I was listening to you on audio tape, And I keep thinking, oh, man, I need to go to the bakery today. (laughs) And so I wondered, do you like to bake?
1: I don't bake. I go down the hill from my house and there's a stucco hut under an oak tree. And this family bakes organic sourdough. And Wednesday through Sunday morning, they put this wooden rack outside of the hut. And it's all this fresh bread and the small Mm -hmm. loaf is seven dollars and the large loaf is eleven dollars and it's like that most of the greatest joys of life are very simple elemental experiences there's something wondrous about the familiarity of it that you keep returning to it and it's like a good loaf of bread is like both the most obvious thing and it's also like a portal to another realm (laughs) you know what i mean like when you talk to people Mm -hmm. about what the moments in which they feel most grounded most centered most conscious of the gift that life is people generally like i'm in my backyard with my kids friend and i are walking our dogs together you know what i mean generally doesn't involve the spending of lots of money generally doesn't involve maybe some technology often that's probably why the bread there's a certain elegance something ancient about it something daily about it something nourishing and very simple that we're all that's what everybody wants
2: Mm -hmm. yes so I wanted to ask you as well, you've created such a wide variety of things. (laughs) Quite a variety. (laughs) From sermons to music to now it sounds like you're doing painting as well as just everything you've created over time. And just as you think about that creative process, is there a certain environment that you need in order to work on your creative projects? Do you need it quiet or do you listen to music? Or is there a certain time what of day? a date? great question. It
1: depends on what I'm working on. Like that book, there was a particular set of songs that I listened to a lot while I was writing that book. Other times, music is a total distraction. I already, there's a electronic musician named Helene Vogelsinger, who I was just listening to her and realizing, oh, I'm probably going to listen to her as I write the next book. I could already feel like it was the sound of the thing. Mm-hmm. I have, here's like an incense thing so sometimes there's a candle going or incense so yeah there are some of those sort of tactile things around me right now I work in the corner of the garage because I can open the door and I like to be as much outside as I can get I don't like to be inside and then sometimes certain projects Mm -hmm. they demand us almost like a rule of life like especially I'm about to start writing again and generally that becomes like a very daily rhythm you don't like make a whole book by just, I just write what I feel like. That Generally, in my experience, it requires a certain, you, you get into a groove and you like at this time to this time each day. And uh, in answer to your question, oftentimes the idea that's asking to be expressed and created, often I'll almost interview it. What are you? How tall are you? What color are you? What shape are you? It's like a very personal, intimate conversation with the thing that i'm here's some Robcast episode outlines that i'm sitting with today almost like interviewing what do you want to be and sometimes it's very personal Mm -hmm. and often the rhythm and the setting almost come with it like it tells me this is how we'll organize our life so that we can make that yeah and so it varies
2: I'm really curious. Can you tell us what were some of the songs you were listening to oh, yeah. on rotation when you were writing? <laughs> yeah. Oh, there's this a book?
1: wonderful Porter Robinson is a god. Just these, just a beautiful musician. John Wool. There's an English band called Keen, Nick Lang. Some classic. Some Max Richter. It's like classical music for the modern world. Yeah, there are certain sounds. Oftentimes, certain sounds feel like the sound for the thing. It's like all these mm-hmm. textures and sounds and colors are like talking to each other. Some of it's very practical and very like workman like. <laughs> and there's also very mysterious the way that something starts to tug at my sleeve or almost like bird song and you're listening mm-hmm. to it, like what's that? Huh. So you listen a little more and it begins to take shape.
2: That's great. So, so your... who are some of your favorite creators? And you can interpret that however you want. There's a legendary light
1: and space artist who just recently died named Robert Irwin who really affected me. There's a book about him called Seeing is Forgetting the Name of the Thing One Sees. Some people think it's the best book ever about creating. Um, And it's his life story Mm. told in interviews with him over like a 40-year period. So you see his evolution. So he starts painting canvases on frames. That's too limiting. So he starts projecting light onto walls and seeing what light does. Yeah. and So obviously the spiritual dimensions of it, Just you're just like, whoa. So he starts working with light because the painting's too bordered, but then light, and then he starts working on shaping whole rooms so that when you walk into the room, you have a particular experience of your humanity. Mm-hmm. But then at one point, he sells everything in his studio, shuts down his studio, and he drives around the country in a pickup truck sitting with artists and asking them questions to help them tap into what they want to make. So part of the beauty of his life and that scene is forgetting the name of the thing one sees is you see a world-class creative as he follows it. And there are times when he has no money, but he's just following an impulse and seeing where it goes. Someone who completely commits himself to everything your podcast is about goes the whole way. To the point where he'll sell everything and live in his truck so that he can follow it. Yeah, he really did something to me. And then you th- I think about Stella McCartney, Paul McCartney, Beatles Paul McCartney. His daughter makes clothes, but she set out to completely rethink how you make clothes in a way that's good for the earth. So had to rethink mm-hmm. at every single stage of how do you make clothes that would last for a really long time but are made in harmony with the earth. And so like even her flagship store in London, every single rock, wood, everything about the store is thought through in terms of how do humans live better on the earth, which some people like that are just move me to no end, who have turned, going back to your Venn diagram question, this isn't like a project, this is a way of being. Yes, They've ordered their whole lives around, in some senses, you're organizing your life around following something that in many ways you can't even articulate it. Mm -hmm. It's just this sense of you're exploring something. It's something about being in your own body, something about being in loving relationship with those around you. It's something about listening to your own life and what's asking to come through you, and then organizing it, your life, so that whatever is asking to come through you can.
2: So uh, can you share with us maybe a couple of your most enjoyable creative experiences?
1: This For sure, this, uh, this Werdy Parker spaceship was like a whole new, it opened me up in all sorts of new ways. And then last year we remodeled this 1960s kitchen and there were all these old pieces of wood. And as they were being tossed out, I kept scavenging them and cutting them up and painting on them. And I started to drop. And so I would take like a, like a cabin, a kitchen cabinet that had Mm -hmm. a screw hole. And then I would start dropping different colors of paint. This one, there are four of them and they're all lined up. And then I started getting more. What if I drop like even more and then started adding like resins to it and then pieces of spray paint. And somehow that like really moved me. And the thing about this so important for me was I have no skill or training or expertise. So there's nothing on my shoulder saying you're doing it wrong. This is... (laughs) The beauty of beginner's mind when you know nothing is there's you won't nothing mess it up. telling you. Mess it up. All I have with painting is delight. Does it delight me or not? Does it make me laugh? Do I do the colors do something inside of me? So that's now what I'm really interested in.
2: Do you paint like most days now? And it goes in
1: bursts. It's almost like it simmers. There'll be days where I'm just staring at some of these paintings on the wall there or I'm looking at the actual paint bottles and tubes of paint and then it comes like in a flurry and then all of a sudden it'll be like oh yeah here we go and then I'll just get lost in it I get really lost in it it's quite enjoyable
2: do you enjoy collaborating with people creatively
1: I wrote some plays and one of them is being staged in April and I'm collaborating with a number of people but honestly they're all so good I feel like I just sit and cheer them on yeah, it's interesting. Important. I, like, <laughs> I have a number of friends who the joy for them is in collaborating. For me, there's always been a whole world of things that we're asking to be created that I've almost had a, how do I say it? Almost like, can I, just be, can I just be left alone so I could just make this? Because that would be so fun. There's something about the solitary mm-hmm. nature of it. It's always been where the joy is. I guess that sounds, I had never thought about it that way. Huh. Yeah. But then I do have like artist friend. I do have a friend who designed the book cover and my friend who organizes my website. So there's collaboration there for sure.
0: It sounds like the solitariness is how things are created. Like I often create for an imagined audience. I'm just wondering how much you're just solitary saying, "Yeah, let's see where this goes and how much you're thinking about the perceived audience. Because you've had a very big, you've been one of the 50 most influential people in this country, right? You were on a list. So there is an audience. What's
1: interesting is thinking about audience just shuts off the flow. It's always been listening to what it is and trying to tune my ear to it to make it. It's always been a very quiet, solitary thing that was doing something to me and trusting that this was helping me so who knows just always trusting if it did something to me then who knows maybe it'll help maybe it'll say something to somebody else yeah but some sort of what are people want or how has this always has just shut it down it's just like a kill switch
0: because then you start to second guess or something
1: and what's interesting especially if you've put things in the world that connected with people is however wonderful that feeling is those also inherently are voices that are conservative because they are, please keep doing the thing that I liked, but I'm following something. I don't know if those voices tend to jam up the antenna. So it's very, you're like so grateful and moved that you made something that connected with people. But human nature is, please keep singing those songs. Keep making more songs like those songs that you made. Be what
0: I want you to be.
1: You might be evolving or moving into all new. (laughs) Nobody was asking for a book about spaceships. (laughs) And yet, so... It's a very interesting, it's almost like you have to keep, you're following something that's happening within you, and that may or may not relate to the thing that came before it, but it's all okay. Yeah, it's a very real part of the process.
0: So you've been a parish pastor, a speaker, a painter, an author, fiction and nonfiction. Does it feel brave to go from one type of creativity to another, or you're just like, it's time, here it is, let's see what happens?
1: It literally is like a chapter ends. Now another chapter begins. At any point you could my wife Kristen calls it parking. She'd be like, You could park at any point and just do more of what you did back there at that moment. Which is fine. But for some reason for me, the sort of the exploration, even the beginner's mind of being in territory where I know nothing. Like literally in the meetings about my plays with theater people, I will literally just stop and be like, What does that mean? What was the thing in the last meeting? What does off book mean? Like I mm-hmm. just have to like just stop and ask them what all of this terminology or and that for me is part of the joy of it is not knowing. I'll literally go into the art store and ask the most basic. I'll take a bottle to the front. What does this do to paint? I know they're probably like, who is this guy who like knows nothing. But for me at least, that's part of the discovery. That's part of the fun. Or even on my podcasts, I'll have a story and how much of this story do I just tell the story? Like one right now, I may record later today. How much of this do I explain? How much of this do I just tell the story? Almost like the restraint to just let, almost like a parable in the sense of whatever you don't explain it, just tell the story and see what it does to people. And so oftentimes I'm experimenting or I'll do an episode about a previous episode and then I'll mm-hmm. give commentary on the episode I'm doing, like almost like creating multiple concentric rings of inception. Like yeah. a sort of meta, yeah. it's all absurd. I once did an episode, of, I went to interview a really well-known designer and we just talked and talked and never got around to the interview. And at the end, he's, if you ever want to come back, I'd let you interview me. And it turns out, he was pushing, putting me off the whole time because he wanted to see whether he even wanted to do an interview with me. He was like playing me.
0: He was like interviewing you about interviewing. Yes,
1: yeah. And at the end, he called me. He's like, hey, if you ever want to come back, Peaches, we could do an interview. And he called me Peaches for some reason. But I did an entire episode about the interview that never happened. So even for your listeners, sometimes it's the same form. Or like for a pastor, it could be a sermon. It's the same form. So it's not like leaving fiction and going to nonfiction or doing whatever and then doing painting, sometimes you're working in the same form. You've just come in through a different door and you're trying what would have been a talk. You all decide to write a letter to the people and then you get up and instead of saying, here are my points this week, you say, dear people who I speak to each week, I didn't know how to give a sermon on this. So I decided to write you a letter and everybody's wait, is she weeding us a letter she wrote? (laughs) It's weird right now, isn't it? Because you're all sitting there thinking this is the time for the sermon, but instead I'm reading a letter. Yeah, it's weird for me too, but just stay with me. For some reason, it felt like it should be a letter. You see what I'm saying? So now yeah, you're like right. narrating the experience of the people in the room who are having you read them and suddenly the whole experience, which you've done week after week, the whole room is like tilting just a little. It's a little surreal. And yet you're also like, oh, we're getting at things in a new, something's ha- This is really interesting. So that so sometimes it's a new form, but sometimes it's simply an entirely new angle or framing or energy to a form that you've been working in for years, and that's what's mm. really interesting. When you discover new approaches to the same form, mm. that can be just as thrilling as being in an art store, going, "What's stuff in this tube, dude?" Right?
0: Yeah. It's sometimes you want to go deep, sometimes you want to go wide.
1: Yes, exactly. Like literally, I have there are four episodes here that. I don't think they have anything to do with each other. But I think I'm going to make them like part one, part two, part three, part four and just present them as if they're a coherent whole even though just to notice if people pick up on the four different things talking to each other. It's almost like you put four completely different things next to each other but you call it part one, part two, part three, part four and then you get to find out what connections people made that you never would have made yourself or if you have said this is how this relates to this much more interesting to see how people do that. So that would be an example of like how you all of a sudden gets completely reanimated in a new way.
0: Thank you. Ruth, he has three more minutes. I wanted to be sure we respected his time. So do you have any last any... question for Rob?
1: Let's do a couple more.
0: Oh, okay. I just want to <laughs> <Well>, make sure. <laughs> the...
2: So part of what we do in these interviews always, as we offer, because I mentioned that I met Dawn in seminary, but she she's worked most of her career as a coach, actually. And so part of what we offer is that if the person we're interviewing would like to receive coaching in their next creative thing they're thinking about. (laughs) And I know you do this for people a lot, but we thought maybe it would be fun for you to be on the other end of being asked about what you're dreaming about and thinking about.
1: My next book two and book three, they're coming in at the same time as if they want to be written side by side. And there's something about how they're almost like brother sister books. And all I get on this computer here is to put them literally to put the one next to the other like two windows mm -hmm. they're from two different two different characters are telling you their life story i can't give too much of it away yeah and you may have met those two in book one okay so then instead of going forward in the story you go back and find out a whole history of these two which will then shape how you Think about how you met them in book one. Oh, that's why they said that.
0: This is us, but a whole book.
1: Yeah.
0: The present is redefined by the past.
1: Right. So instead of going forward, we go back, which weirdly enough makes us rethink where we've been already.
0: So is there any problem with doing them side by side?
1: Keeping their voices distinct. I just noticed that it will require, it's asking for a whole nother kind of embodiment from me. Almost like Mm -hmm. a whole nother set of pauses. Okay, a trust that if we're very still, oh, we'll know exactly where this goes from here.
0: Would it help to change something in your environment as you write each person? I face this way for this person. I face this way for this person. Or for this music for this person. Or in that music for that person.
1: Thank you, because I had that thought. Do I literally just slide my chair over two feet? Is there something physical?
0: Absolutely. Like,
1: is there something really simple gesture that you can get out of this one into this one? Okay, out of this one back into this one.
0: Or is there a gesture like you stand up and stretch and each person has a some kind of stance? Yeah. I don't right, know. Right.
1: Yeah, two sweaters. Like a sweater, two sweaters. a sweater for the one and a sweater. You put on the one sweater, take it off, put on the other sweater.
0: Right. You're working on a play right <laughs> now. And so I don't know if there's understudies. They talk about the understudies will have a whole track. So they will take on all the movements of the one character that they understudy. All those costumes make them feel a different way. If they have to suddenly be the other person, it's a different costume. It's different movements. They get to go different places and make different gestures. And they feel like a different person.
1: Yeah, yeah that's great. Yeah, you're right. Even kinesthetically, are there objects that would just trigger, okay, we're in this space now. Yeah. And then, okay, Poor now we're in, now we're back to this person smells textures shapes Mm -hmm. oh yeah maybe that's what i okay yeah yeah
0: maybe try it
1: that's good thank you
0: you're welcome thank you for that you're also
1: even talking about a lot i'm like oh yes this can be done oh yes we could absolutely
2: (laughs) and as you (laughs) we can try it we can try anything for sure oh rob i just can't tell you how thrilled i am that you were able to join us and we apologize so much for our technical difficulties no worries I can't tell you, like, I double-checked everything to make sure it was going to work. And then, of course, that's the time that doesn't work. No
1: worries. But, if this is our idea of yeah. problems, we're doing okay. Thank you for having yeah. me on.
2: Thank you for being yes. here. Thank you so much. And all good wishes as you promote the book. And it's a great book. And we loved reading it. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today on Creative Creative.
0: Please follow us on social media. We're on Instagram and Facebook at Created Creative Podcast. Please also follow, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcast. And hey, go create something. Go create something!